Good morning, everyone. I'm Sarah. This is Micah, and we're the pastors at the Vine Church, and we're just so glad that you've joined us today. We are honored to get to look at scripture together and hear a message from God today. Today, we'll continue our series in 1 John, um, but we're going to go back a little ways in scripture to set that up. In the beginning, God created. That's way back created. in scripture. <laughs> the very it. beginning. In the beginning, God created, and it was good. The land and the waters, the animals, humanity, and God declared, this is good. He had plans for humanity to walk with him, to care for his good creation, and yet temptation came into the world. And by the third chapter in the Bible, we see the fall of humanity. We see sin entering the world. And as if to just put a, an exclamation point on this idea that the world will be a different place, that mm -hmm. sin has entered this world, the very next story out of the, after the fall of humanity is the story of Cain and Abel. Now, Cain uh, worked the fields and his brother Abel uh, took care of animals. They each brought a sacrifice to God. Cain brought some of his fruits or vegetables as a sacrifice to God. And Abel brought some of the fatty portions of one of his animals or some of his animals. And it says that God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not with Cain's. And in some sort of rage, jealousy, Cain lures his brother out into a field and he kills his brother Abel. God comes to Cain and he asks a poignant question, Cain, where's, where's your brother? And Cain responds with a snarky and maybe equally poignant question, am I my brother's keeper? It's a good question, Cain. God, God gave him an opportunity to reflect upon his actions. Where is your brother? What have you done, Cain? And he responds with, well, am I my brother's keeper? And what comes out in the story is that, well, maybe his primary task or title in life is not to keep his brother, but Cain definitely bears responsibility for the well-being of people in his life, of his brother. And instead of living for the well-being of his brother, he took his life. Now, today as we enter the story or, or the text in 1 John, um, it's going to begin with this idea of Cain and Abel, hatred versus love. We've been in 1 John for a few weeks now, and 1 John is a letter to the churches around Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, and it was written by the Apostle John later on in his life to the churches in that area because the churches were experiencing division and false teachings, uh, false teachings such as Jesus was not the Son of God, was not the Messiah, and that Jesus was was not God in human form. And, and these people who were breaking away from the church and teaching these things were living in ways that were very contrary to the way of Jesus. And so as we go back into 1 John and look at the next section in our series, we're going to see this the repeated theme that's come out numerous, numerous weeks, and, and it's a primary theme in 1 John, and that is that how we live matters, and so we are to love one another. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to start off in verse 11 today. For this is a message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain 
who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, John speaks uh, in, in familiar terms throughout this letter that he writes to the first century church. He speaks of this message that you've heard from the beginning. And secondly, a primary theme throughout this book is love one another. Now, he's speaking specifically to a church that is being torn apart, experiencing incredible struggles, specifically with Gnosticism, which was these beliefs that said, you know, the, the physical and the spiritual are separate, that Jesus maybe wasn't even physical at all. All these teachers' t- teachings have come into play and they have segmented people off from the church. And here he says, go back to what you heard in the beginning love one another. And he uses this example of Cain and Abel. I mean, the fourth chapter in the Bible is the story of murder. He he knows the harm and the destruction and the violence that comes when evil has its way in this world. And he says, but this is the message of Jesus Christ and the message that you've heard from the very beginning. Instead, love one another. You know, as we talk about about this and look at this scripture, I assume that everyone who's listening and most people would say, yes, murder is definitely wrong. But we see here how John is taking that a step further. He's not he's saying that he's taking the conversation to hate. So, yeah, murder is wrong, but also hate is wrong and not good. And when we look back into the teachings of Jesus, Jesus makes the same movement in um, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus will say, "I, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, don't even be angry with your brother or sister. Jesus takes it that far that that's not what it's about. Jesus gave an example, in fact, of of reconciliation in that passage. He says, you know, because of this, because you're you're not supposed to be angry um, and live in anger with your brothers and sisters, if you're going to the temple to offer a sacrifice and you remember on your way there that your brother or sister has something against you, just stop what you're doing. And in that moment, go to your brother or sister and reconcile with them. And what is so, what, what is so powerful to me in, in these concepts is that our faith and our love for God directly influences how we are to engage one another. It's not that our faith and love for God are separate and then how we engage with people is a separate thing. The, these are the same Thing. Those are intric- intricately connected. And Jesus here says murder is, is just too low of a bar. <laughs> so he sets the bar way higher. He says, go and be reconciled. And John says mm. the same thing. Love one another. Yeah. So First John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it's interesting. This is 1 John 3.16. Right. John 3.16. Oh, yes. In John, in his gospel letter, um, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. It speaks of the love of God that Mm -hmm. sent Jesus that we might have life. And now in 1 John 3.16, it speaks of a very similar theme of love. We will know love by looking at the actions of Jesus, the life and particularly the death of Jesus. Love is this, Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The the contrast is intense in this text that John is writing for us. Cain and Abel, hatred and murder, and Jesus, self-giving sacrifice. I was reminded, thinking of just this extreme contrast, um, we like to spend time up in the mountains and the Autanum Range west of Yakima is the place that we spend a lot of time. And there's a section of it um, in the middle of beautiful, I mean, there's lakes and there's trees, it's forested and it's beautiful and there's wildlife out there that we see frequently. We once in this place I'm going to describe saw a herd of hundreds of elk come through. We just stopped and watched a cloud of dust form through the entire valley as this herd of elk come through. It's beautiful, uh, a live place, and right? And evergreen. I mean, and, it's green. And, and, and yeah. green. And uh Yet there's a section of the forest that we can't tell if it's from a fire, though there's not signs of fire damage on the trees or disease more likely. All the trees are dead. And it's strange how as you drive through the section, they're, they're huge trees, but all of them dead, no green. It feels like something out of a um, Lord of the Rings movie or something like that. It's really an eerie, strange place. But the stark, stark contrast as you drive from a living place with lakes and animals and trees through this desolation. And I think John is kind of trying to create that image for us when it comes to um, our, our spiritual lives and the spiritual forces, evil and good, that surround us. This idea of death that comes through evil, from evil, through hatred, the murder and violence that will play out when evil has its way. And then this contrasting idea of God, Jesus, have demonstrated for us what love looks like. Jesus laid down his life. As opposed to taking a life, he would give his own life for the sake of others. And this challenge, live in the way of Jesus. Live that life of love. And again here, John is going back to the words and the teachings of Jesus. In John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, this is what Jesus tells his disciples. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus speaks of the greatest love, and that's to lay one's life down for another. And this is the love that Jesus modeled, this agape love, this self-giving love for the benefit and care 
of another. And, and as I think about this, I think this is one of the beautiful things about the kingdom of God. Jesus came as the king to establish a new type of kingdom. And this kingdom of God is one of mutual love, where, where those in the kingdom are loving each other, when all parties are looking out for the interest of the other and are caring for the other. And when this happens, it creates a community of safety and of love where everyone is seen and known and cared for. Now, as I think about that vision, I don't know about you, and as you hear about that vision for this kingdom of God, there's a little pushback sometimes in our minds. How do I love when I'm not receiving love yeah. from a person? It's like, well, wait right. a second. What if not everyone is demonstrating love? And it's mm. so true that as humans, we miss the mark at times. And at times it's in really small ways and at times it's in really big, big ways. And so there's hurt and there's brokenness and we are called to continually go back to Jesus, to confess, to repent, to receive forgiveness, to receive healing um, if we've been harmed and yes, to put in boundaries and safeties in place moving forward and continually invite the Holy Spirit to work in us and to work in our community. But the goal of Christian community is that everyone is loving each other as Jesus did, this community of love and safety. So then John goes on to kind of give an example of what this love might look like in the context of mm -hmm. Christian community. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. You know, that, that word pity in Greek, um, the root word is kleo, and, and the root word means to shut or to close. And I think that's such an interesting um, image in here that if, if we see a brother or sister in need and we just shut them out, we just close the door in their face, that is not what love is about, that loving people, John here says, it's not just about our words and our speech, but rather we love with actions and in truth. That in truth is interesting because mm -hmm. it means that like we're genuinely practicing love, that we're genuinely choosing to engage in love. Mm. So uh, he gives this example here of seeing someone in need mm. and will we respond? Will we engage? You know, what I love about John's writing here is how rooted he is in the fundamental teachings of Jesus, yeah. right? The foundational teachings of Jesus. Uh, he is so rooted and passionate mm -hmm. about the story of Jesus that he keeps coming back to these themes that Jesus made so clear, both in his teachings and mm -hmm. his demonstration, uh, the ways that he lived his life. And, and so Jesus at one point, um, close to the end of his life, before he would be crucified, he's sitting with his closest followers, and um, he's he's talking with them about um, the end times and how uh, how his his followers 
would have engaged in this world. And to one group, he's saying, um, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And to the other group, he's saying, you didn't do any of those things for me. And they ask him, well, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? And Jesus says, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. John is saying that same thing. Uh, what what we do for each other matters. What we do to each other matters, matters also on the inverse. We saw that example of Cain and Abel. But he says what we do for each other matters deeply. We are not the uh, the uh, the origins mm-hmm. of this sort of love, but instead Jesus is the example. He lived that kind of love, and we too are called to love, and not just with words, but in the ways that we live. Mm-hmm. John will continue in verse 19. He writes, This is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Okay. That's a bit of a confusing section. It is. Let's let's uh, break it down just a little bit. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his mm-hmm. presence. And then he's going to go on to say how we know that. Uh, but a couple things we want to identify here. Um, this is how we know. Now, the NIV translation of this uh, misses the fact that in the Greek, in the original language, um, this is a future tense to know. This is how we will know. This is how we will know. This is what will be revealed through our actions and lives. And remember, this is not separated from the previous section he's talking about. Don't just talk about it. Do it. Live Mm -hmm. lives of love. And he says, so this is how you will come to know that you are, that you belong to the truth Mm -hmm. and how you'll set your hearts at rest in the presence of God. He goes on to describe what is really difficult to translate. Some of these words are only used uh, a couple times in the New Testament. That makes it pretty pretty difficult to hone in on exactly what it's saying. But he, I, I, having read a lot on this this week, this is what I'm understanding in it. If our hearts are compelled towards love, uh, as opposed to compelled towards meanness, if our hearts are compelled towards um, or, or I'm sorry, if they're not compelled towards love, um, but instead towards meanness, um, then God, who is powerful, a better translation would be, will persuade our hearts. So what it's saying is, if your hearts are not in the right place, God, who is very powerful, will persuade your heart towards love and the way of Jesus. And on the other hand, he says, if your hearts are generous towards others, well, then ask anything you want, because as he said before, you belong to the truth. You are resting in his presence. Mm -hmm. So ask the things that come naturally uh, uh, from that place, resting in his presence, belonging to his truth, living lives of love. Ask for more and he will give those things to you. I like that. Yeah. Ask, Ask for more of that. Let's finish off by reading the last um, uh, couple verses. I guess we'll we'll have two more verses that we read in this section. So we're going to continue in verse 23. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is his command. So it was two things, believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another. He says to believe. And belief is pretty important to us. We, we talk about belong, believe, and become. And this, this concept of belief 
means to place one's faith in, to rely on, uh, to trust, to accept Jesus for who he said he is. Jesus as the incarnated God, Jesus as the King, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the hope for this world, to accept Jesus and to commit to following and walking in his ways. Mm -hmm. So when when we read believe, it's more than just like an intellectual thing. It's it's a it's a whole yes. I'm going to believe and accept and follow and commit. I'm going to move in this direction. And secondly, he says, "Love one another," which is a verb. It is either an action, as he's been speaking about here, or uh, it can be defined as um, posturing ourselves towards the well-being of another. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Love one another." And again, back to Jesus, his primary yeah. teachings. I'm I'm reminded of you know he's being tested by religious leaders in the day. Will he say the wrong thing and they say what's the most greatest commandment mm-hmm. he answers it properly love god with your, with, with your everything with mm-hmm. everything that you are love god and then he goes out on a limb giving them fodder the like potential to argue with them and he says but the second is just like it love one another jesus says the second greatest command mm-hmm. love one another and so john here keeps coming back to this this is a command believe in jesus and love one another mm. And verse 24, the, last verse, yes. uh, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The one who lives in God. You know, that phrase somehow like being in God or in Jesus is like John uses like 10 times Hmm. in this one letter. It's a very prominent concept. And this idea of being in God, what does that mean? In part, I think that means obedience to Hmm. commands because we we see Mm -hmm. that in here. If you're going to, if you're going to say you're in him, then you need to live like him as he commanded. Um, so it's about following God, but I think there's also more mm-hmm. to this. God invites us to be in God's presence. And this is a beautiful, beautiful concept that, that we would know a God who exists in community, in relationship. And, and often we'll talk about the Godhead as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and God exists in this community of love, that God is Love. And uh, there's an image or, or a metaphor that some scholars use. They talk about the dance of love. Mm-hmm. And I love that this community of love is, is like a dance. And God is inviting us to be a part of that community, to live within the community of love, to have fellowship with God, to be known by God and to know God, it's a very close and intimate relationship that we're invited into. I like that. The dance of love, though, but I just can't help but thinking last night was salsa night where we had salsa oh, instructors yeah, come out to the church. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe the image of God as the dancer is a little more graceful than the idea of me as a dancer. I think a lot more graceful mm-hmm. than me, for sure. <laughs> so, um, so he describes here, so we live in God, and you describe this, try and relate God, and, and, and you describe this dance of love that we are invited into. That's really a beautiful imagery. But he says, not only do we live mm-hmm. in God, but 
but God also lives in us. This, the idea of the spirit. And Jesus, shortly before his crucifixion, again, talking with his followers, he said, it's good that I'm going away because the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And that's either the craziest thing Jesus ever said, or the promise of the Holy Spirit is a really powerful invitation into the life of God. The idea of the Holy Spirit coming, this is good, Jesus says, because this <laughs> is God dwelling inside of us, who will be our counselor and our guide, that God would choose to dwell in this humble vessel is really a humbling and beautiful idea. Hmm. So as we look at this, this section of the letter, We've seen how, how we live matters, especially for, for followers of Jesus. And John is saying here in this section is his main point is believe and love. Mm -hmm. Believe and love. Believe that we are invited to know Jesus, to believe in him, to trust in him, to rely on him, to commit to living our lives as Jesus would have us live them. And then we are called to love. And that's on multiple levels. We're called to, to receive love from God, to, to be included in this community of love, to live in God and to know God and to be loved by God. But those, that is not at all disconnected from then how we engage. Mm -hmm. And John makes that perfectly clear that if, if we're to know God and love God and be loved by God, that means we're also loving people. Everyone we meet, we are to demonstrate the love of Jesus, this self-giving love, this love that looks out for the well-being of the other. And here in this passage specifically, John is saying specifically, Love your brothers and sisters in Christ and in the Christian community within the church. May the church reflect the community of love that is God. May, may we live into that truth and, and be a demonstration of that. So John writes this poignant, incredibly important message to the first century church. And here we find ourselves, a little church, the Vine Still Church, very relevant. here in Pasco, Washington, recognizing absolutely how relevant this mm -hmm. teaching is today. You know, as we begin this church planting journey, we were committed to being a community of Jesus followers mm -hmm. where belonging came first. That is, wherever you're at in your faith journey, walk of life, you can belong here. Mm -hmm. You can walk here with us as we explore who Jesus is. And partially because of that goal and vision that we perceive to be the way of Jesus mm -hmm. and the way he operated in his ministry, partially because of that, and a few other factors, we've found this community to grow and be a, an incredibly diverse community and people. Di and diversity takes on a lot of different forms, looks like a lot of different things. But one particular aspect of diversity that we find here is theological diversity. We come from different denominations and different backgrounds, hold some uh, different beliefs on uh, different things. And the question becomes, and we're six years into this church planting mm -hmm. journey, what is the glue that will hold mm -hmm. this kind of diversity together? And uh, John said, uh, so these two things, um, uh, he says, believe in Jesus and love mm -hmm. as an action. Oh, yeah. 
And so we commit ourselves to the teachings of Jesus as translated to us by John, right? We will be, a, we will continue to be a people intent on belief in Jesus and living lives of love. That is the glue that will hold us together. John challenges us today, love one another. Amen to that. And I invite you to pray with us as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your example of self-giving love. We thank you, God, for how you have loved us and you, you invite us to know you and to be known by you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in us and around us and through us, including us in God's community of love. As we look at this passage, we ask with, with open hands, Lord, as we come to you and we, we say yes to the work that you are doing, we ask with open hands, Lord, that you would fill us with your love and that you would teach us to love each other and to love all people with the love that you have demonstrated towards us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for spending this time with us. We can't wait to see you again. Have a blessed week. Bye everyone.